We begin today with an animated cartoon cucumber who teaches Bible stories and upon occasion breaks into song. Silly songs. Yeah, I mean, it is an age-old story, right? I tell you my theory of silliness. No, really, I have a real theory about this, and I explain how this is even remotely spiritual. Oh, and I bring in one of the big names of 20th century Christian writing all on the way to answering the question, can we be silly? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. When our kids were young, we had a friend introduce us to a video series called Veggie Tales. Now, if you don't know what it is, it's animated cartoon vegetables acting out the stories of the Bible in some silly but useful ways. Interspersed in these episodes is also just some good old-fashioned silliness with no real point other than kind of joyfully to experience silliness. I share an example with you now, a song from a video, from a VeggieTale video. This one's about water buffaloes. The water buffalo song. Everybody's got a water buffalo. Yours is fast, but mine is slow. Oh, where'd we get them? I don't know, but everybody's got a water buffalo. Ooh. I took my buffalo to the store. Got his head stuck in the door. Spilled some lima beans on the floor. Oh, everybody stop got a... Stop, stop right this instant. What do you think you're doing? You can't say everyone's got a water buffalo and everyone does not have a water buffalo. We're going to get nasty letters saying, where's my water buffalo? Why don't I have a water buffalo? And are you prepared to deal with that? I don't think so. Just stop being so silly. One of the things I really like about these VeggieTale videos is their willingness to accept silliness as a part of being spiritual. So let's get to my theory now. There are, in my opinion, three types of silliness. Yes, I have been categorizing these, and these are truly my opinion, so don't be heading off to the internet to see if I got these three correct. I just made them up. The first type of silliness is the mocking silliness, the court jester. Think of the king and his royal court. In the court, there is a jester, a mix of court comedian and clown. This jester is not very high-ranking in the court, but plays a prominent role which is laced with silliness. If the court jester is careful, he can sometimes get away with biting commentary. He gets away with this by being silly. Silliness can offer some cover when mocking that which is scary and more powerful. In a similar way, silliness can be used to disrupt and draw attention away from that which we don't understand or feels overwhelming. Think of the two kids in the back of biology class in high school. They are in over their heads academically when confronted by the subject matter, so they cut up. Interestingly, as a total aside, cutting up seems to be a phrase that, if not invented for high school students, has been pretty much exclusively relegated to describing the hijinks of, well, high school kids in class. Several years ago, I was in a meeting and two of the participants, both adult professional men, were acting badly. The speaker was having to deal with their whispers, laughs, and occasional inane comments. It was exactly the kind of behavior that a teacher would have said to them in class, you two need to stop cutting up in class. But after the meeting, the people who were there never used that phrase. They were called 
immature. They were called jerks. They were called some saltier language as well. It was never described as cutting up because that seems to be for high school kids in class, not other uses. Anyway, the first type of silliness can be described as the court jester or thought of also as the court jester class clown. I think they're two sides of the same type. So that's the silliness that's used to take on what seems to be bigger than yourself, sometimes for productive, critical, and political reasons, sometimes because we're feeling overwhelmed and it's how we express our feelings of inadequacy. Then there is the kind of silliness that I will call the Peter Pan syndrome. This is the perpetual silliness of someone who just flat out refuses to ever take any part of life seriously. Now, one could argue that this is a subset of the first type. Perhaps this person is really dealing with their own feelings of inadequacy by never being serious, always being silly in every situation, which, okay, that actually could be the case. But the difference for me is that the first type, the type we call the court jester, is silliness in the face of a particular circumstance. The Peter Pan type is the person who uses silliness perpetually as a way of avoiding all seriousness in every aspect of life. One is situational. One seems to be perpetual. For me, the jester type of silliness can be productive or negatively disruptive depending on the person and the circumstance. The Peter Pan silliness can be fun as long as you don't have to experience a perpetual diet of it. This person may be fun in small doses, but is not the person you're going to suggest to go on a long trip with together. At least, I'm not going to suggest that. The third and final type of silliness is what I would describe as holy or sacred silliness. Now, first of all, this kind of silliness is almost never intentional as the previous two are. And this type of silliness is always born out of a relationship between two or more people who deeply care for each other, respect each other, love each other, feel safe in the presence of each other. I probably participated in and been part of more funerals than most people do in several lifetimes, and I can tell you that grieving and laughter, sacred, healing laughter, and often downright silliness, go hand in hand. These times are marked by people who gather together in grief, who love and trust each other, I'm always amazed by how often things can turn silly in that situation. It's the kind of humor that's not planned, doesn't really have a point, and yet is exactly what people need in that moment. Generally, this doesn't happen in families with significant dysfunction or tension, but a family that loves and trusts each other can be remarkably silly in their grieving. This kind of holy, sacred silliness and it doesn't have to be around grieving. I'm reminded of an instance that happened between my wife, Sarah, and our youngest grandchild, PJ. They were sitting together on the floor of our living room, having kind of a beautiful bonding moment in which they read books or did something like that and discussed the pictures. And at one point, our granddaughter, aged four, took the hard plastic straw from the tumbler she'd just finished drinking from and turned to blow air in her grandmother's face. She took a deep breath and started to blow, and was surprised when her grandmother suddenly took a deep breath herself, put her mouth on the other end of the straw, and blew into it also. The unexpected result was that air suddenly rushed down the straw into our granddaughter's mouth, through her nose, and she made a snorting noise. And the two of them erupted in laughter, and spent the next, oh, at least ten minutes, blowing in the straw, seeing who could make the other one snort. It was a moment of wonderful holy 
silliness, filled with laughter and joy, and only made possible because there was so much trust and love between the two of them. Now, here's a good question. Why do I call it holy or sacred if it isn't an overt spiritual or religious in its elements? Well, because it seems to me that we in the faith community have gotten a reputation for being serious. We've gotten a reputation for, well, if we're going to be really honest here, being anti-fun. The reality is that God created laughter long before God created prayer or worship. So as far as I'm concerned, to be focused on spirituality without an equal focus on joy, fun, and laughter is, well, to be against part of the divinely intended nature of creation. Most of us have probably heard of the author C.S. Lewis, who is probably most well-known for having written the Chronicles of Narnia. Outside of those books, he's also well-known amongst Christians as an enormously popular lay Christian theologian, whose books continue to be popular even today, long after they were written. He has something to say about the seriousness of silliness. In his book, The Weight of Glory, this is what he has to say. And I love this. I just, I love this whole quote, every bit of it. There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play. But our merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have from the outset taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. That's all for today. Just remember, when you understand the full magnitude and importance of who you are and by whom you and every other person on this planet was created, I hope it fills you not with solemnity nor seriousness, but the kind of joy that bubbles up in every aspect of your life and is shared with all those you encounter. Do you agree? Let me know. My email address is dan at skypilot.zone. That's dan at skypilot, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T dot zone. And on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and with lots of joyous laughter, boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.